Welcome to the Small Fleet and Owner Operator Summit. Today, we are joined by Spencer Tenning, President and CEO of the Tenning Group. Welcome to the summit. Good to be with you, Barry. Uh, before we get started on the, our conversation today, let's get some background on you and kind of how you got started at the Tenney Group. Well, my family's been in transportation for three generations. My grandfather drove a beer truck and a taxi cab in Dallas, uh, even going back to the early 60s. Uh, my dad owned several different types of transportation companies, but I uh, started advising on M&A deals back in 1973. That's kind of uh uh, where the main story started for us as a company. I joined up with him about 25 years ago, uh, took some uh, uh, some brief breaks, did a little music um, business and, and, and some other things, some publishing work. Those are, that's a different interview, Barry, but, uh, you know, I, I think that just, just, just grow it up and being a part of business owner stories and um, helping them, watching my dad uh, help them realize the American dream through uh, exiting was just a powerful thing and impression on me. And so here I am, uh, you know, took over the business and bought him out about 2018 and just loving every opportunity we get to help business owners in the space. I like it. I am um, very interested in that former musician uh, career, but I guess we'll save that for another day. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or maybe at, at a conference or something like that. <laughs> yes. Eve. Exactly. We'll have to catch up on that one. Um, kind of for like the last few years, it's specifically like 20, late 2020, 2021, and most of 2022. It's not like that M&A space was just popping like it had been white hot every day it seemed like someone was closing on an acquisition or merging or partnering with another company what are some of those kind of trends that we um and developments in the MA space specifically for small carriers um especially now that that market has turned and it's not quite as white hot what are some of these trends that we're seeing yeah i think one of the things specifically for small carriers it was uh you know kind of like this rare moment in time where the equipment values got so high it really gave them um, options that were um, not hyperbole, once in a lifetime type chances to, to to exit based on how difficult it was for companies to get equipment. And you know, and I think that that market has normalized. So what that means is that we're kind of shipping back into what is a, a more typical environment for how buyers and sellers come together, have a meetings up, uh, meeting of the minds on value and deal structure, and. Um, and that's good. That's that's where the market should be. And so uh, deals are still getting done all over the place. We just recently closed a you know, drive-in warehousing deal. RTR um, was acquired by Big G, uh, Big G Express, and uh, and that this kind of it's a great example of you know deals still getting done in this environment, coming together, having a meeting of the minds. I like it. It feels like it's kind of calmed down, and um, it's more of a like. I don't know. I just feel like there's less urgency in the transportation world where it's like, oh my God, we have to get this done now or we have to close on this. It's more of it's more of kind of how it was where, you know, opportunities are still happening, deals are still happening, but it's less of I'm just gonna buy a company and buy a small carrier as, as opposed to going and trying to buy some new equipment. Like a lot of people I feel like over the last few years were trying to, you know, use mergers and acquisitions to solve for some capacity problems. Yeah. I, well, I, I might um have it a little bit different view on that I, I i i do think that there still is tremendous urgency because if you look around yeah i mean, i i think the, the capacity environment has changed dramatically but there's still tremendous tension uh specifically as just in terms of rising expenses most especially this labor and so without some mechanism to offset that 
you know, comp- companies are either going to become less efficient uh, and less profitable, um, or they're going to, you know, try to uh, offset that through organic growth, which is very hard to do. So I, I think that what we're seeing is that people just become much more disciplined in their approach to acquisitions, whereas it was, it was to your point, a little bit like the wild, wild west, uh, much less disciplined environment when there's free debt, tremendous needs, um, and, and, and the perception that value was super high and a favorable market for sellers. So so I, I think that we've normalized, but the urgency is still there. The problems are still there to solve, and, and we're still seeing acquisitions using as one of the preferred uh, methods to go address that. Um, so kind of what are some of the key factors that potential buyers are looking for? Because you said that these deals are still happening. And, um, you know, what are some of those key things that some of the buyers are looking for when they're considering an acquisition for a small carrier? Right. I, I think some of the things right out the top is they're looking for some type of insulated, differentiated, um, you know, revenue stream that, that, that can, with, you know, be complementary to what they're already doing. And so they're not really interested in like, hey, I just want more of what I'm doing right now. It's particularly if you just get crushed right now in the spot market. And so I think they're looking for something that has insulation on spot market, something that has um, competitive advantage, a specific expertise, uh, expertise or niche expertise. I think those are the things that are attracting the most buyers because those are actually bring value to, to the businesses. I think that... Um, Sometimes that the business gets more complex and technology gets more entwined every day in terms of what we're doing. So I think that's the other part of it is people are looking for companies that bring some type of technical maturity uh, and advance to what they're doing to avoid trying to home grow that same talent. It's just very difficult to do that. So I think that they're trying to target companies that allow them to create technological advances without having to reinvent any type of proprietary software. Um, because I think that's just high risk in this type of environment right now. So just a couple things there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that the technology component is a really important one because everyone seems to be, or transportation seems to be going through this huge technology overhaul and everyone seems to have, um, everyone seems to want the latest and greatest, but it's, you know, it's pretty expensive to try and implement it. And if you already have something that works and you have a company that already has a good technology stack, like, it kind of feels easy enough to just take it and plug and play it into your current operations. I think that's I think that's part of the deal. I think some people, you know, they know themselves. Maybe they might use ten percent of the overall platform's capabilities. I think that might even be generous with your, you know, with, with your typical carrier uh, and, and whatever technology that they're using. I think I think more so it's about, and this was true of a deal that we did with Keenan Advantage. Um, when they acquired our client, American Petrolog, which was they had this a very specific expertise, but a very deep management team that like they didn't have to do anything. Like, these guys were ready to go and they were in to stay in uh, with, with, with the company. So I think part of, uh, you know, kind of lumping these two questions together, the acquirers right now, they want to acquire a business. They don't want to inherit just a job. Uh, so they want they want systems. They want, you know, some type of technical advantage. Um, or technological advantage, um, and then they want to be able to advance their current capabilities in some way, offset these rising expenses. And if they can do that in a way where they're they're not dependent upon the ownership, and then 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 we're going to be in a good place. 
So one of the things is, um, you know, some of these small carriers now that the spot market has turned and isn't really favorable at all and rates are kind of operating not not in a great the way to cover costs. Um, some carriers might be looking to potentially make a move to be bought or to sell their company. So what are some of those um, things that they can do to prepare themselves financially for an easy sale or maybe be more attractive to a prospective buyer? No, th- I think there's some very specific things. One of the good things about a market like this is because it takes away what I think are, can be very misleading about you know, a, a company's performance. And and that's not a good thing for a business owner that's interested in exiting. It's so so market like this kind of like lets you know what you really are and so and 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 how to make improvements. So I think the main things that that people want to look at is like, is there a compelling growth strategy? People want to acquire businesses that have that they're going somewhere. So even if you're you don't plan to make the investments to go do that, you need to be crafting a narrative that shows an investor why that why why would this create intrigue? Why what was the advantage of buying your business versus, you know, so many others that you know could be on the table? Another thing is just there needs to be a systematic um effort to reduce dependence on ownership. Because I think that, that there's a direct correlation to dependence on ownership and discounted business valuation. So if you if you start systematically delegating out responsibility, it it the perception of the risk of transferring ownership to a buyer, if, if, if the owner steps out and they don't have any like real authority anyways, then that makes your business much more attractive. And then lastly, um, the, 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 the thing that I would challenge every small business owner, they need to be doing monthly or the, or the latest quarterly fire drills to pull financial reports so that they are ready for prime time. Because I think that the reality is someone may be really willing and think you've got something special, but if you can't produce the information to support the value of your business in a customary fashion, then you're never going to get on the dance floor. So I think you just do those three things. You're, you're automatically going to stand out and differentiate from some of the other folks. And th- those are things that you can control right now. Those are kind of, I like those because those are easy steps that you can do, Like especially like you mentioned, that fire drill of um, financial polling. I didn't even think about that, but I mean, if you think about it, how often does a smaller carrier really have to go pull their financials or have to have all these documents and you don't want to get to the stage where somebody approaches you and says, Hey, you know, like what kind of, what kind of financial situation do you have? And you go, um, that's a great question. Let me spend a couple of weeks pulling it together. So I think that that's one of the easiest things that you can just immediately jump in and say, Oh, well, maybe we should look at this and maybe this is something that we should consider. Yeah, we've done some boot camps specifically around this and seminars in the industry. And and um, the preferred response is if if you can just create a one page document, we call this a teaser that has kind of the historical history, the future, you know, maybe five to seven bullet points as projections. And hey, that tells the story. And if you're prepared with that, you don't even have to sign a non disclosure agreement. Say, hey, this is a general business. This is what it is. But think about how much more compelling that is rather than like I'm looking at five deals and I'm waiting on these other four that are trying to pull financials that are not organized in any you know meaningful fashion. But here's this one person that's summarized in a one page like, hey, from an execution risk standpoint, this seems like the person that can actually get a deal done. Let's lean into this business owner and see what else is here. So it's just like anything else. You have to differentiate yourself right on the first impression in because if you do, um, you're going you're gonna to get special treatment from everybody else. I think that that kind of 
plays in nicely because it's kind of like in any business deal. If you have someone that's responsive, willing to work with you, has all their information together and seemingly like, you know, has it together, then you're going to be more likely to pursue them because as you go down the line and you need to get more and more information or you need to work closer together, that then you know that that person has already set themselves up saying, hey, we're responsive, we're collaborative, we have everything that we need. You won't be waiting three weeks for us on every single milestone to get it together. Whereas some of the other companies that are struggling to put their financials together, I think that might be one of the the hiccups that they have, you know? Well, you, and you can, you can see how it's not, you know, um, a, a stretch to understand why a buyer is like, hey, the financials came within, within one day or it was already available. I have this nice summary sheet, which tells me that they've done this before. Clearly other people have approached them and thought that they were valuable. So, you know, like by, by, by third party, um, um, uh, confirmation, like I, 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 I should be looking at this business. And so naturally that's going to help influence tracking more value just by itself. So to me, those, those just ABCs of getting yourself in position to have options as a small carrier. I like that. And then kind of like on the other side of that, what are some of the mistakes that you see some small carriers make um, outside of just, you know, not being prepared or having their financials ready? What are some of those common mistakes that you see them make um, heading into deals or heading into, you know, the position to maybe be acquired? I think that there's a um, a hesitancy. Some people don't want to know. They think there's a fear of, hey, getting an offer is it's kind of... Um, it's vulnerable. Like if someone's placing a value on your life's work. And so some people don't want to, they don't want that information uh, or, they, or maybe they want it, but they don't want to go through the process of getting it. And so I, I think that some, some of that is just the mistake is um, letting pride or ego get in the way of what might be the largest financial transaction of your lifetime and maybe the best deal that you're ever going to get. And so, so I see owners, um, self-sabotaging a lot of times, not not giving the process enough respect or time to develop into something that could be the right thing for the owner and his family and his community. So I, I think that just um, that's part of it. And then of course, just education. We, we harp on this all the time. The more that you educate the process and trust what needs to happen, you're, you're going to make the right decision. Because I think what, what happens is owners get a very fair offer on the table they don't have anything else to compare it to and ultimately say now's not the right time when really it's just the absence of third party data to substantiate that this is a good decision. And that, um, so, and, and, and it, you know, alternatively, when we're in a process and we're representing small business owners, they have five, seven different offers, you know, like they can, you know, hand pick and select, okay, like I like this structure. I like this buyer. I like what this buyer is going to do with my business. That's really important to me. I think it's just more about allowing yourself uh, to, number one, respect the process and understand that your goals are probably going to evolve and you just need, it's just human nature. You're going to want to have options to ultimately make the biggest decision financially, probably of your lifetime. Oh, a hundred percent. It's kind of like a, you kind of have to, like, like you said, you evaluate all your options and, you know, not every option is going to be the right fit for you or your business because every business has different goals and uh, things that they want to get out of it. And, um, you know, everybody's different in what they want. Um, We are almost out of time, but I have one more question for you. What is your biggest piece of advice for anyone looking to be acquired or any, or anyone looking to do some buying? 
I, I would start by just, just education. I, I think the vast majority, we've seen more first-time buyers get into this space than ever in the last 18 months. And so I think that's the new normal. Um, uh, acquisitions doesn't have to be hard, uh, but you need to educate yourself. So, um, you know, my recommendation as a good starting place for that is go to our website and we have tons of white papers and uh, over 80 different interviews with both people that have done this before in terms of your peers that have exited and their advice about what they experienced. And so at our website or, or at our YouTube channel, that's what would be my recommendation. Um, and you know, you don't even have to have a conversation with any group, but those are just free resources that you can go after work or whatever else and just start you know, <laughs> developing that foundation of understanding. And I think that number one, you get more confident about whatever your next move is in this, in this beautiful industry. I like that you guys have taken that approach to be the source of education, you know, whether you go with us or not. I mean, obviously it would make more sense, but to be that source of education where, you know, if you're going out there, don't go out unprepared. Um, speaking of going out there, you kind of already touched on it. If someone wants to reach out to you directly after this um, about education or any other questions they may have, where can they find you outside of the summit? Yeah, uh, you can go to our, our, you know, my LinkedIn profile, Spencer Tenney or, or thetenneygroup.com. Uh, and we'll be there to help. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.